Hello, digital friends. We're still in our 100% Juice series, and Pastor Andy is talking about trust, faithfulness, and he digs out his old skateboarding helmet to make a point. Oh, one time I forgot to wear my skateboarding helmet, and I made my head into a point. <laughs> Lean in. It's a good one. Did you know that Echo could be your place, your people, and your purpose? One-stop shop. It's so true. Take your first steps into the life-giving local church and find the community and the support that you've been hoping for. Let us know that you are out there or stop by on a Sunday sometime. We'd love to connect with you. And if you can make it to Echo in person next week, we have a treat for you. Carrie Garcia will be our guest speaker. She's amazed, as Christy would say. She's funny, she's deep, she loves Jesus. She's got the whole package. For real, D-M-N-S. That's don't miss next Sunday. Actually, D-M-N-S could mean do miss next Sunday, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to get in semantics. Lastly, thank you for your generosity and thank you for giving of your tithe. 10% of your income as worship to God and his kingdom. If you're looking to give, head to our website, text any amount to 84321. Enjoy Echo Online Service. Thank you. 
today. Make us separate for you, Jesus, not of this world, but of your kingdom, Father. And Jesus, we know by your word that it says 
we have no righteousness on our own, but you are our righteousness, Jesus. Other than that, it's not because of what we've done at all, but it's because of what you did on the cross, Jesus. So, Father, we accept that free gift from heaven today. Father, we love you. We worship you. Let's sing that chorus one more time. set us apart for you, Lord Jesus. Father, we choose this morning to be holy and set apart for our master, King Jesus, our Heavenly Father. We are ready to do your will. Father, I just proclaim that over this church today. Father, they would not care what everybody else thinks around them, whether they they think that they're cool, because we're not about being cool, we're about being righteous and holy for you, Jesus. Father, I just declare over this church that we will be a church that does your will, Father, and that we're pleasing to you and not of this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. excited gentleman in the back right there. Ooh, is anybody glad to be here at Echo besides the guy in the back? <laughs> hey, we are in a series called 100% Juice. It's, it's really exploring uh, our claim to be Christian, but yet looking inside, seeing if the outside label matches the inside and the contents of our heart. And uh, we usually see the reflection of what's in our heart when we get squeezed. And then we realize, oof, (laughs) that wasn't so great. And then you begin to readjust and reconsider and uh, allow the Lord to continue to do his work in you. The text in Galatians 5.22 that we've been leaning into weekly should be on list form in front of you. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, patience, screen, patience. Oh, there it is. (laughs) I love my tech people. They're great. Uh, I'm going to have to bribe them later for doing that. Um, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And today we're going to lean a little bit into faithfulness. The word faith 
in the spiritual world and the church world is very common, yet I believe it, it's a word that's extremely abstract. Y'all get what I'm saying? I mean, really, when, when, when you were, if you were to try to explain to your neighbor that you have faith, what would you say? What does that exactly mean? And really, the use of the word is all over, so it, it's kind of hard to, to understand. It's hard to, to, to really take hold and grab. And what I want to do today is lean into that word faithfulness. And in order to lean into that word faithfulness and what God wants in our life, and the inside and the contents of our heart, then we have to understand the word faith. Faith isn't just belief, faith is trust. And I tell you that because faith is that abstract word that I think we struggle. We all like to just kind of like act like we know what that word is, right? Uh, but, but we don't really completely grasp it. Well, the word trust is a word we use a little bit more commonly in the culture. So faith is not just a belief. It's not just an idea. Faith is trust. And when it comes to faith and trust, it's not meant to just be a Sunday thought. It's supposed to be way more than that. Some of you come in here and the only time you think about your faith or you ever think about trusting God is when you come into this space. It's meant to be more. Trust is an idea. Faith and trust is an idea that's meant to be so deeply seated in your soul that it shapes your being and ultimately shapes your actions. And we believe that your actions will begin to shape your world. And my question for you today is this, who do you trust in? What do you trust in? And in order to frame up what I want to say, we have to go all the way back to Genesis. In fact, I'd like to talk about the Genesis narrative, the beginning narrative, and, uh, and just kind of ponder on what happened there and ask Jesus, well, what was the point and how can that be applied to us? The Genesis narrative goes something like this. God created the heavens and earth, and when he did so, he declared it was good. And then what we see really the triune, the trinity God do next is he creates man and woman and he declares it very good. In fact, when you look at your neighbor right now and say, you are very good, you need to do that because you're not going to feel very good after this message. <laughs> so just working that in your soul a little bit, right? Oh, man. So what happens is, is, is God creates the earth. He creates man and woman. He creates humanity. And then he places them in the garden. And when they are placed in the garden, they're placed really in the midst of two specific trees. The first tree is the tree of life. And the other tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now what I want to do is I want to talk to two different people uh, two different theologians in the room, right? Different people who uh, look at the Bible in different ways. There are some of you who look at the Bible and you read Genesis and you are a bib biblical literalist. You believe that the earth was created in seven days, literally. And then there's some of you on this spectrum who look at the Genesis narrative and it's hard for you to believe that. And, and, and you happen to believe that the earth is built or was created over seven billion years, whatever it might be. 
the Genesis narrative, and I guess it's kind of a side idea, but the Genesis narrative is, is kind of controversial within the church world in today's society. And what I don't want to do is focus on the, the literal or really the super figurative components of Genesis. I want to see the point, though. I want us to lean into the point of what is happening here in the Genesis narrative. And the point in this situation is this is that you are Adam and you are Eve and you've been placed in your own garden. And when I was really young, I, I read that and, and, and probably because I leaned and really leaned into the literal components of the story, uh, man, I was like, I would never do what Adam and Eve did if I was in the garden. We'd all be naked in the garden and we'd have no shame. That was a joke. I kind of laugh. Can I, I, know, I know it's a little awkward, but... The point being is this, is the Genesis narrative is the same story that we live within. God has placed us where we are and where we are, there are two trees. There's the tree of life and then there is the tree of good and evil. And my question again to you is this morning, what do you trust in? What do you trust in? I mean, really, what, are, what tree are you grabbing from? What are you taking a hold of? And, and what we do just as Adam and Eve has done is we lean into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We love defining for ourselves. What is good according to our own eyes? Which brings us today's, uh, to, to today's text, which is found in Matthew chapter three. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter three, verse eight. And if you wanna read the context, read it all the way to 10. But Matthew three, verse eight is a story where Jesus is coming onto the scene of his ministry. He's, he's entering into his calling and his purpose on earth. And he, he, he walks into the context or in a situation where John the Baptist is preaching to the saint and he's preaching to the sinner. He's teaching to everybody in between that. He's teaching to the, to the, uh, to the pro, or what is it, uh, Pharisee and he's teaching to the person that has made mistakes. And, and this is the one message that John had when he came. And he said this, he says, if you have turned from your sins to God, produce fruit that proves it. Now, some of the words that I want you to see on screen today is this, if you've really turned from your sins, the key word from, turn from your sins, another key word to God, then produce fruit that will prove it. Let me paraphrase that. If you have turned from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to God's tree of life, you will produce Fruit. Another version of, of, of the Bible says, produce fruit that is consistent with repentance. Repentance is this really big spiritual term that we use within the, the Christian world that just simply means to turn, to turn. CJB commentary says this about this scripture 
is admit their sins. Repentance is admit their sins and agree with God's opinion of them. And here it is again. God created man and woman, humanity, and he said, this is very good. Some of you are like, well, why are you reading the scripture? <laughs> you, know, well, uh, you, well, you know, this is just a little harsh for a Sunday morning here at Echo Church. <laughs> and, and, and I would tell you this is I want to present this idea that we all trust in something. And when it comes to this word faithfulness, faithfulness, I believe this, faithfulness is the long game of trust. If we're gonna have the fruit of faithfulness, what we're doing is we are in this trust game for the long haul. And if we desire to produce fruit in the long term, we've got to deal with sin today. So what are you faithful to? What do you trust and is that working out for you? What do you put your trust in? I remember a day when we put our trust, we put more of our trust in the driver than we put our trust in the seatbelt. Anybody remember that? Does anybody remember, come on, let's age some of us in the room. How many of you rode in a car and there were no seat belts? There were just, it was just freedom, baby. Freedom. You know what I'm saying? I was just at uh, our table community last Wednesday and we talked about our first cars and someone in the group had mentioned how he used to sit on the back side of the window. In the back window. I mean, come on, come on. I mean, that is freedom. I don't know if you know this, but when I was uh, coming out of high school and into college, I did a thing called a snake board. In fact, uh, Mark, would you throw me that here real quick? Okay, good job. And I did that on a professional basis. I traveled all the way around. I competed in world, world championships. And, uh, and uh, I noticed one thing, that every time I would go to these competitions, they would make me wear a helmet. Back then, I really hated the helmet. Okay, kids, don't do that at home. Don't, I'm a professional, don't do it. But it was funny because when they made, they made me put a helmet on, uh, I noticed this one thing. And, and again, it's, you got to follow me here. This is a ridiculous statement, okay? Just be, I was way, way too judged last hour, and I told them to hold on. But I'll just tell you, I, this is a ridiculous statement. But I created this justification. I created this narrative. I created this good thought in my mind that the only time I hit my head is when I'm wearing a helmet. <laughs> and it was true. I remember this one time I was in the middle of a competition and I was going up a vert ramp and I came down on my head and guess what I was wearing? I was wearing a helmet. Because <laughs> back then I trusted my ability more than I trusted the helmet. I think what kind of stinks in today's society is some of those thoughts exist when it comes to our faith and some of these thoughts, these ridiculous thoughts are, are really steeped in how we view sin. <laughs> yeah, I just said it, sin. 
I hate talking about it. I really do. I mean, it's not really fun. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because we live in a culture that, that, that has a general idea when it comes to morale. In fact, uh, we, I would say this is, is we're steeped in moral relativism. And what moral relativism uh, buys into is the idea that there is no sin, there's only sickness, misfortune, and mistakes, and it neglects the biblical concept of sin as absolutely wrong. Isn't anybody glad they came to church today? (laughs) And what I've noticed in today's society is sin is all around us, yet it does not exist because everybody has their own definition, i.e. the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We want to determine what is good in our own eyes. And in modern day theological terms, we say it like this, you be you, boo. Let's just pray, we can be done right there. And what I wanna tell you today is we will always miss the mark when we discredit God's best intention for our lives and ignore the roadmap that he has set before us. Are you trusting in your own navigation system? Did you hear that? Have we gotten to this place where we think we know better than God does? And my question to follow up with that is how is it going for you? some better than others. The CJB commentary says this about sin. Sin, we live in an age when people do not know what sin is. Sin is a violation of the Torah, which is the law in the Old Testament. Sin is a violation of the Torah, transgressions of the law God gave his people in order, for, in order to help them, listen to this, live life which would be in their own best interest as well as holy and pleasing to God. A.W. Tozer says this, the more we trust, the more my trust rests in God, the less I trust myself. If we truly desire to live the crucified life, we must get rid of self-trust and trust only in God. illustrate, I believe, the type of faithfulness that God desires from us and for us is maybe seen best in the image of me picking up this piano and walking around on the stage. And that's as if what God wants us to do is he he wants us to, to take him and not take anything else on that road. But so often what we do is we grab the piano and we grab the music stand and we we grab whatever else we can. And what we've done is we overload ourselves with the desire to pick from the tree of life and yet still pick from the things that are good. Some of them, but not great for us. And this brings us back to Galatians. We're in the series uh, 100% Juice and and that main text is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And I want you to understand where and how this book was written. It was written by a man named Paul. 
and he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to begin to teach us the difference between legalism and living within the lie. Paul writes Galatians to try to teach us how to balance between legalism and living within the lie. Now, Paul, what you have to understand about him is he was the chief legalist. At some point in his spiritual walk and his position, he was murdering Christians, Messianic Jews, because they were not doing it the right way. He was legalistic and he was traveling from one city to another to continue uh, to do that in the name of God. And that's when the revelation of Jesus came to him and he was knocked off his horse his high horse, yes, physically, but yet figuratively. And he was blinded physically and spiritually. And, and, and he sat there waiting upon the Lord. And eventually Jesus revealed himself to him and began to teach him grace. And began to understand who Jesus is. And, and I want you to hear this. When we talk about sin, we can know all the information and feel really good about knowing it. But I'm telling you what, if that's all we know, we end up just being legalistic. What Jesus wants us to do is find that balance between legalism and living within the life that Jesus provides by following him. And that's what Paul teaches. In fact, one verse, uh, Galatians 1 verse uh, 11 says, the good news that I proclaimed is not a human product, but a revelation of Jesus Christ. That is the foundation of it. I thank God that I have encountered Jesus personally. I am not on the stage here because I know all the information. I'm on the stage here because I've experienced Jesus Christ personally. And that what, that's what keeps me in this loving faithfulness, this trusting action with Jesus. He continues on and, and Paul begins to teach the Galatians, a trusting faithfulness uh, will begin and create you to be justified that, so you, that you might be made right. And then he gets kind of angry at the Galatians in 3.1, sorry kids, but this is in the Bible. Paul looks at the Galatians, he says, you stupid Galatians. I mean, he's really angry at them because they're missing the point. He moved from legalism and, and he's trying to pull the Galatian church away from really living this loose lifestyle. And he begins to teach them and he says, hey, guess what? Abraham trusted in God and, and because he trusted in God and actually continued to follow God progressively, he was credit, credited righteous. That through his faithfulness, through his trust, okay, again, this faithfulness word, he, because of Abraham's trust in God and his, his willingness to continue to follow God, no matter what he said, he was credited righteous and holy. And eventually, ch chapter five, verse one, it says, Jesus freed us for freedom. And then he said this in verse 13, you are made to be free, which in essence is Paul looking at Galatians say, Jesus freed you, now stay free. Y'all know what I'm saying. Some of you know that you have been made free, yet you have not remained free. 
And you don't remain free because you allow the knowledge of tree, the, the, the knowledge of good and evil, uh, and you begin to choose that more than you choose God. And this brings us to the primary text this morning in Galatians 5.19. It's our favorite scripture, right, of the year. I know we picked it all. It says this, and it's perfectly evident what the old nature does. This is Paul identifying to the Galatian church some of those things that were not creating freedom in their life. In fact, bondage and captivity. It is perfectly evident that your old nature does this. It expresses itself in sexual immorality, impurity, indecency, involvement with the cult and with drugs, and feuding and fighting, becoming jealous and getting anger, angry, and selfish ambition, factionism, intrigue and envy and drunkenness, orgies and things alike. And I warn you now, I, and I, as I warned you before, those who do such a thing will have no share in the kingdom of God. I'll drink to that. Paul is trying to remind us today as he is reminding the Galatians as you have turned from your sins and towards God. He wants to remind us here at Echo Church that God has called us to follow him and to follow him solely. The issue is this, is there are so many good things in this world, but they're not great. And God wants to be at the center of your life. He wants you to lean in. He wants to, uh, to, to continue to, to de he desires to, to keep your head turned towards him as you leave that old nature behind. But the problem is, and in our garden, there are two trees. Although Jesus is the remedy, he still allowed the tree to stand. And that's the challenge we have when we start talking about the fruit of the spirit. We love the idea of peace and love and joy and all those things to be in the inside of our heart. At the same time, what we don't like is we don't like the idea of God emptying us of the things first what I call the anti-fruits of the spirit, what we could deem as and call sin. Dexter and Tim, you guys can come up as we prepare to just let the Holy Spirit do his work this morning. There are three areas of temptation that we all experience on a day-to-day -day basis. And in order to tell you those three as a biblical thought, we have to lean into Acts chapter 15 where there is an ongoing issue within that church, in the New Testament church. And the issue was this, is there were more and more Gentiles coming to the faith and that was making more and more of the Jews uncomfortable. 
and the Jews, those that were devout in faith and that were trusting in God and in Jesus Christ, were looking at the Gentiles and saying, well, culturally, you know, if, if you come to Jesus and, and you're, you're becoming that Messianic Jew, then you should be enculturated in the way that we do things. And, and not to gross you out, but the argument in Acts 15 was all revolved around circumcision. It was the act of a cutting that they wanted the Gentiles to participate in. And for some good reason, they didn't want to. But then all the forefathers of the New Testament church came together and they really prayed and they debated and they began to seek the Holy Spirit. And what they came out of that meeting with was this, is we are not going to require Gentiles to be circumcised, but what we are going to require all people is that they would refrain from idols, that they would refrain from drinking blood. They would not eat food that was strangled, mishandled really, uh, killed in a wrong way, and that they would flee from fornication. And when we put that message next to the Galatians message, there are three areas of our life that God is trying to reveal that we have temptation in, where we fall to sin. And I just want to reveal that so as we move forward, that we are just aware of really the enemy's tactics. The three are this, is we, the anti-fruits that kind of begin to just come up from the inside out and sometimes the outside in for us is number one, spiritually. The first temptation is to think that I can be a part of all of this, the occult and drunkenness and all those ideas and still be involved in trusting God. And spiritually, I'm telling you, the biblical narrative is this, is trust God, trust in Jesus alone. The second area of temptation or the anti-fruit that, that attacks us is in our mental game. This is where jealousy and anger and intrigue comes into the story. If there's another area of sin that we deal with, not only is it spiritual or mental, but the last one would be this is physical. And this is, again, where drunkenness is and orgies and things like that. And my question to you today, and I asked you this once before, and I'm gonna ask you again, how is that working for you? Is trusting in that tree bearing the fruit that you desire in your life? If we are going to produce faithfulness we have to see it as the long game of a trusting relationship with Jesus. The reason why I can turn towards God is because Jesus turned towards me first. And today I sense in this room and your hearts and our minds and, and even in our body, the Holy Spirit wants to begin to reveal areas of sin. Areas where you try to grab from both trees. And that he would do his work on the inside out. The last song that Dexter sang, Refiner's 
fire has a significance to me because that song I sang hundreds of times when I was a teen. And in those days, there was a lot more grabbing over on this tree than there was on that one. And I remember Jesus calling me back to him over and over and over and over again. And my heart's cry for this church is that the Lord would begin to refine us. He would make us holy. He would go ahead and that we would begin to submit our sin, our desire, our failures, our mistakes, and we would turn towards Jesus today. Jesus, today we come to you and, and that is our prayer. That is our cry. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to direct us. God, you begin to reveal, God, some of those areas of our life where you have anti-fruit of uh, 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 just out in the open, God, or maybe some of us are hiding it. There are, they may be good things, but they are not the greatest things. God, I just ask that you would reveal in us individually, God, areas of our life that you're calling for us to put down, to pick up a trusting relationship with you and you alone. Holy Spirit, I just welcome you here just for the next few minutes to refine our life, refine our thought, and that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
in our life that will not last and yet inflame our passion for you, Jesus. Amen. Echo Church, do you mind standing up? Every week we pray this prayer and it's this reminder that Jesus is faithful. This prayer is a reminder that Jesus forgives. This is a reminder that Jesus wants to whisper to you that he's created you very good. And as we pray this prayer, as we do weekly, my hope is that we would receive Jesus's forgiveness. Coincidentally, Jesus was hung on a tree, the tree of someone's good idea. And he died for you, that you might find freedom, that you might be refined from the inside out and that you wouldn't hold on to the sin nature, the old nature, but you would be in a faithful, trusting relationship with the Son of God. And that's what this prayer is. Nixon, if you don't mind putting that on, let us pray this once again as we submit our life to God. Some of you have not prayed this ever before, and you're welcome because Jesus has turned his face towards you. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. Love and door.
theme throughout the Bible that's a little different than us culturally because we culturally kind of stand on our own like it's my success it's my you know I, I picked myself up by my bootstraps and I got this result right it's very internal it's very about us but what I really love about the biblical story is that it's about us right the collective us that we're kind of in it together and I was thinking about this idea of that Andy talked about from, from A.W. Tozer, which was trusting ourselves less. I think it's a lot easier to trust ourselves less if we start off from a place where it's not about us in the first place, that it's about us. If we can kind of see beyond ourselves just a little bit. And I wonder if we would maybe take more steps towards Jesus and look a little bit more like the church outside the wall if we thought a little less internal and a little more external. Just a thought. Uh, I think I think today was an incredible service. I'm really I'm really proud of Pastor Andy and what he did. And I, I need to make something super clear. Like when he talks about snakeboarding, he was serious. Andy toured the like traveled the world and got paid money to ride kind of this combination between a skateboard and a snowboard. Like you are strapped in in your feet, but they're on these pads, but then there's wheels like skateboard. It's a crazy thing. Well, it turns out if you go on YouTube, it's possible to find, it's, it's out there and you need to see this. I'm just saying, like, check this out today because you will, I think you'll think our pastor's a little bit cooler, but also be like, wow, that's, it's just, it's just incredible. Please go on YouTube and look at this. It is worth it. It is worth it. Uh, at Echo, we like to celebrate people, and we'd love to celebrate those that said the prayer for the very first time today. Come on. We're excited to welcome you into the us. We're in this together. Uh, we want to celebrate those that came to Echo for the first time today as well. Give it up. 